You are listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Now, here's your host, Lee Clamp. Well, welcome to another episode of the Advanced Leadership Podcast for the South Carolina Baptist Convention. I am so excited to have my friend, Dr. Wayne Bray, in our midst today. He serves as the pastor at the First Baptist Church, Simpsonville Upstate Church. And um, he's also our president-elect for the South Carolina Baptist Convention, which means that he will be serving uh, come November uh, for another year. So, Wayne, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lee. Man, it's great to be here. Yeah. So, um, so, so, Wayne, uh, this is our 200th year. So, really, you'll be starting the first year of the next 200 years. So, there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. <laughs> I'm talking like um, um, immense pressure. You got Alex Sands. Following Alex is just like impossible anyway. He's like the nicest human being on the planet and super smart, Georgia Tech grad. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of tough. I wouldn't want that on my shoulders. I'm glad I'm not in the seat that you're in. <laughs> um, you know, but let's let's settle something here real quick. I mean, you are a, a, a South Carolinian now, mm-hmm. but but you come from Georgia, and I'm trying to figure out why in the world would you be an Alabama fan? Yeah, well, I was, uh, you know, I guess some people would probably say just providence of God. God shows his grace on certain people. You know, and that may just be part of the explanation. But I was born in Alabama, born in uh, Dothan, Alabama. My dad was a pastor the day I was born in a little town called Slocum. So I like saying I was from L.A., Lower Alabama. What a what a great name for a town to be from. <laughs> Slocum. Uh, single lane, one red light. May have been a caution light. I'm not sure. I was two when we moved. but uh, yeah, Two years old. Two years old. You spent two years in Alabama, mm-hmm. and then you became a lifelong Alabama fan. I don't yeah. understand how that works. Grace, man. Grace. <laughs> My goodness. You know, I, I like to remind people about the three national championships of Clemson University, and I can remind everybody except for Alabama fans. Yeah, I always say that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great having Wayne on the broadcast today and uh, looking forward to seeing um, him crash and burn in the future. Uh, <laughs> Actually, we're really, uh, really encouraged by the work that um, First Baptist Church Simpsonville Upstate's doing, especially in the realm of revitalization with other churches. Now, this is a word that seems to be thrown around a lot, and so um, it actually will take on different uh, modes of operation. Uh, tell me your heartbeat behind this whole idea of um, of helping churches be revitalized. Yeah, back in the 90s, late 90s, I started, that's when I started undergrad at New Orleans Seminary, and I can remember hearing a statistic over and over and over again. It was like 80 to 85 percent of churches are plateaued or declining. I don't know that I ever heard that before uh, going to New Orleans, but I've continued to hear that <laughs> for the last 20 years. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's kind of stayed the same. I, I don't know uh, if that's an accurate statistic as much as just a, a kind of a norm that we've grown accustomed to. But the fact is, it's evident. All you got to do is look around. Churches are struggling, man. And I don't know that 85 is, is right, but I do know that it's a lot. And uh, and so most churches uh, are, are walking through, uh, you know, any number of issues for multiple reasons. And so 
I, at the end of the day, I mean, to simplify my heartbeat and the heart hope for even next year's convention, to be honest, I want to make this a major part of it is just we want to help churches. And so whatever that looks like, I don't even care what you call it. I just want to I want to be a part of whatever helps those 85, 90 percent, I think, of churches that are struggling, diff, you know, maybe stalled out, maybe maybe numb right now. They're coming out of COVID. They have no clue what to do or where to go, what's next. Um, I want to do whatever's necessary to help them. Mm. What are what are some of the key elements that you see? Like, let's say there's a, a church pastor right now that's uh, that's listening in, and, and he sees some some brothers around that um, that are struggling as uh, as their churches are plateaued and declining. What what are some of those key elements there? I mean, should he make it a line item in the budget? I mean, what what are some what are some elements there? Yeah, I don't think there's any you know equation or, or perfect answer. I think there's a a, a plethora of problems. And uh, and that I think the thing is there's a there's just as many solutions. I mean you've got people who can help. So as far as a, more important than a line item, I think it's more of a heart situation. And I think probably from two kinds of pastors. You got the pastor who probably needs the help, and then you got a pastor who can offer the help. And both have to get right, you know, because uh, one of the most uh, encouraging things I, I'm I'll call him out. Uh, Calvin Holland's uh, pastor at Dunning Baptist Church in downtown Greenville an exemplary pastor because he's pastored Dunning for 22 years, um, but came to the realization that, hey, he, he's getting close to retirement. He wants to go out changing things. He wants to see the, the tide turn. He wants to be a part of solutions. And so uh, he just he just started reaching out and saying, I, I want somebody to, to help. Uh, I desire to, to bring this church uh, back and revitalize it. And, uh, and it takes that. If a, if a pastor is not willing to actually take that step and lead his church into that process, it can't happen. But then you also have to have a church that can help and is willing to sacrifice, who's willing to invest resources and energy and time and counsel and all that stuff. So I think that's the biggest thing, more important than money. I think money, obviously everything costs money, but I think more than that, it's got to be a, a heart change. We've got to have a heart change to see churches come back to life. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that it can't just be a side gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, unpack that for me. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, even speaking of line items, I think that we've kind of lined item to things to death. You know, everybody's got, um, you know, church planting line item, a, a mission trip line item for scholarships. We can we can throw money at everything and itemize it and and have it as a kind of category in our mission. And it makes us feel better. And we kind of tell everybody, oh, yeah, we're planting churches, you know, <laughs> or, or uh, we're helping pastors or whatever. But it's got to be more than that. I think for a solution to take place in, in our state, 2,100 churches, but then even more than that, you know, 40-some-odd thousand in, uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention, it's going to take us to, like, legitimately make it our mission. And so um, regardless of what we call it, I know revitalization is a word we hear a lot, uh, but but it can be called a lot of different things, and that in in some ways that's kind of one of several things that I think are necessary in some of those struggling churches. Um, but for anything to happen, it's going to take us saying this is not just one thing we do. This is actually our mission. This is this is how we define regional. This is how we define North American missions. It's just as important as planting churches. Mm-hmm. Just as important. Mm-hmm. You know when um. When I think about the mission, when I think about uh, every life being saturated and transformed in a community, um, we can't be satisfied with our church growing and seeing a few, you know, new members 
um, when a collection of churches around us um, are, are not in the game as well, and they're not seeing um, the lives transformed in their community to an extent that is, um, that is helping us get after every life. So if we start to, it sounds like to me, refocus not on our own church and any success that we may individually have, but refocus ourselves on the lostness in the community, um, the way we do business changes. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think even redefining success. Mm-hmm. I just had the conversation with my team on the way here talking about that, even in context of our church ministry. So to redefine success for our leadership and our staff, we need to define uh, success as multiplying ourselves and not being uh, having everything dependent on us. And, and in the same way, for a church to redefine its success in not being the kingdom it's building up, uh, and and comparing yourself, oh yeah, we baptized X amount of people compared to everybody else in town. You know, they're they're way under us. We're the you know we're the best giver. We're the big. And I know that we've had that. I think we've kind of bought into a comparison game. And I'm not uh, at all, um, you know, uh, criticizing keeping records, setting goals. I'm all for that. But I do think that we we've defined success by our building our kingdom. Instead, we'd never say it that way. Instead of our success should be other people succeeding. So in in the context of our ministry, uh, the reason Upstate Church is is, uh, kind of our our heart is that we want to be a church for the Upstate. Now, that doesn't mean just in multi-site. We're expanding in multi-site, but that's just one small part. We want to revitalize churches. We want to pour into churches. We want to remediate. We want to uh, come alongside uh, other other ministries and other uh, folks around uh, the upstate and not just do things that benefit First Baptist Simpsonville, but do things that benefit the kingdom of God. And so that is kind of just, I feel like, a, a redefining of our vision, a redefining of our success so that we can say, you know what, yeah, if we set a goal that we're going to pour into the pastors, we're going to invest in churches, then we can feel, okay, at the end of the day, we may have actually baptized less than last year, but you know what? We invested in churches that baptized five where they baptized zero last year. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, the kingdom grows more, even if it doesn't mean your church statistics get better at that same rate. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, whenever you, uh, you get around a bunch of uh, leaders, a lot of times we like to talk. We like to talk philosophy. We mm-hmm. like to talk about what we can do. Um and I found that whenever, uh, whenever you go to shift into gears to action, um, it seems like there's fewer that come to the table. Mm. Why do you think that is? Well, I think everybody's um, worried about loss. Change is a loss. Uh, I, I think Dick Lincoln's probably the guy who told me that. When uh, you know, obviously a well-known pastor, member of our church now, um, he helped me a lot learn how to work through change and lead through change. He said, "Anytime you change, people lose something." And I think, um, I think recognizing when I when the pastor has to make a decision, am I going to make a decision that benefits my church and actually, in turn, because of the definition of success, <laughs> makes me look better, brings job security to me, makes my people happy with their pastor, makes them lift me up. As much as we wouldn't want to say that attractive, I think in our flesh that's what's drawn us in. So. The problem is we have to kind of recondition our heart to where we we recognize, you know, it, our our heart is to do for others what we wish 
if we were in that same spot, you know, obviously that that uh, someone would do for us. And so I, I, I would say from a flesh perspective, it's pride. I don't know that that's pretty harsh. But I think that, you know, the reason most churches don't help other churches is because they're they're all about themselves. I mean, and, and, and I think we're all guilty sometimes of being all about ourselves. Mm. No, no, that's not harsh. In fact, the guys who are listening to this podcast right now, we're, we're not talking about them. We're talking about everybody else. <laughs> right. Uh, because if, if we were struggling with that, we wouldn't actually be listening to this podcast <laughs> trying to get better. Um, mm. But when you, you bring up a great point, there there is this there is this leadership, um, sometimes a barrier. There's this leadership barrier to actually move towards the next step of revitalization that uh, that kind of holds us back. And so we've gone through this, uh, you know, this wild season, obviously, of, uh, of, of COVID and kind of this new era that we're moving into. It's it's exposed a lot of deficiencies we have in leadership. Um, but but as you think through this idea of leadership, what are some things that uh, you've just kind of been unpacking lately uh, in that realm? Well, even in relationship to a conversation about revitalization or helping struggling churches, I think leadership's a, a massive part of the problem. Um, we, we kind of uh, always look at leadership in, in kind of two paths. You could look at them as, as rails of a, a train track, if you will. And without one of the rails, a train's going to obviously crash. And those are, are spiritual and strategic. And so if we look at a balanced leader, a balanced leader is operating on a rail of spiritual leadership and a, a rail of strategic leadership if he errs too far one way or the other then the organization or the church in our case is going to struggle and so uh, in the conversation of revitalization just to give you an idea I, four different terms i use is renewal remediation revitalization and then replant replant something you guys use a lot too but renewal is more spiritual so i mean if a if a pastor's leading a church into a renewing process, kind of a, a revival, even just the definition of renewal is the intentional act of resuming a full devotion to the church's mission and ministry after a season of interruption. <laughs> In our case, COVID-19. You know, it's a global pandemic. So, hey, maybe every church needs renewal right now. That's a spiritual thing. And a, and a pastor has to lead spiritually for sure. But remediation is, I'll be uh, just real transparent, our church, when I came to First Baptist Simpsonville, in 2015, we had gone through a great season of growth uh, uh, for years, but then the last few seasons, uh, last, last few years, had, had kind of had some plateau a little bit and, and declined through those last uh, five, six years. And so what we had to do is go through a process of remediation. Now, it sounds like a real negative term, but it's an act of reversing environmental damage. That's just what the word means. So it's correcting a congregation's mindset. Uh, or methods that are unbiblical or ineffective, you could even say deficient. So that's what we did. We pulled in a group called Unstuck, and they walked through kind of a, a reinvention of our mission, vision, values. Hey, that's not some crazy, that's just remediation. That's just admitting, even though a church is, has a reputation of being a great church, uh, when I got there, it needed some adjustment. And so I think that, recognizing that, that wasn't spiritual, even though it had some spiritual components, talking about vision and mission, that's really strategic. And so a pastor coming to the point to where he acknowledges, hey, I, I've got a blind spot here. You know, I, I feel like I'm I'm leaning heavy on pastoral care. I'm loving my people. I, I don't, you know, I, I want revival. I, I love Jesus, <laughs> but I don't know where to go. Well, that would be an obvious need for strategic leadership. And so kind of admitting the need for that's the starting point, I think, 
and uh, and then in another case, you may you know may have somebody who's more of a, a dictatorial model who may be a you know kind of a, a real strong leader who's strategic. He knows what works. He's going to do it. This worked a hundred years in a row, you know. And so, but he may be missing the mark on leaning into Jesus and saying, "Hey, what you know? What's this mission field demand of me that's different than the one that I found myself in ten years ago?" Because culture redefines the mission field. I mean, it's, we're in an ever-changing mission field. And I tell you, the last five, ten years has rapidly changed. Uh, we just um, had a conversation with a church that's in a community where their 55, 60 people are in their 80s, 70s and 80s, and the community around them, the two miles around that church, is actually uh, 90% under 55. And so it's not a, a missional problem. It's, a, it's legitimately a strategic problem. They can't reach the community because the community is nothing like them anymore. And so it's a real big challenge. But that that's the kind of thing. I mean, that's a, that's a big answer to a small question. But No, that's great. I, I want to unpack this, uh, these two rails here, uh, because I imagine if a, if a pastor is listening right now, he probably could think about which one of these rails he, he leans more on, spiritual rail, strategic rail. Um so how do you know? How do you know which one needs a little bit of reinforcement? How do you know which one of these? Uh, what's a what's a good sign for you uh, as we kind of unpack this? Um, what what's a good sign for you as to as to which one of these rails you need to make sure is laid down? Yeah, it's like you said. I think probably most people automatically know which way they're leaning. You know, I um, I, I don't mind admitting that. My, you know, I would I would naturally lean towards strategy. I'm just kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. I love drive. I wake up with vision. I, I was telling Lee earlier. I <clears throat> I I have ten ideas and only one of them is a good one. You know. <laughs> so you know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people who just are wired that way. Well, those people are strategic and and they will have to consciously, constantly think spiritual. And remind themselves, oh, I gotta, I gotta really love people. <laughs> I've got to care for people. I've got to be pastoral. I need to, I need to really uh, invest in them. I need to build relationships. I mean, some people are just going to run past relationships if they don't do that intentionally. And so I think other people uh, hear this, and they're probably uh, the kind of folks though that lean the other way. Uh, there's a ton of pastors right now of churches between 50, 60, who have pastors who love Jesus as much if not more than most of us and they're great pastors they are they are holding the hand of you know brothers and sisters who are, who are dying they're caring for them when they're sick they're preaching the word of god faithfully but they don't know where the next step is i mean they don't know the they just don't have the strategic um i don't know if training is even the right word it's really just awareness like you know and so that's not a i guess being being able to kind of admit that up front and just kind of say hey this is not a it's not an insult. It's not a. It's not something that I need to be ashamed of. It's really something I need to acknowledge because it's kind of like we build a team. That I, I, my team is built of people who um, make up for my deficiencies. I have to be willing to yield to them and admit my vulnerabilities, or I'm going to fail anyway as a leader. So in the same ways, any kind of no matter what size the church you're serving if if we admit our vulnerabilities and then we kind of dive into kind of improving those areas or maybe having someone come on to help out in that area um then it helps i think fulfill the the need so discovery i think it's more of a self-discovery process to where you know as we 
to have more conversation and explain some of those things related to strategy, uh, people kind of become aware, I think, immediately. Mm. You know, if one of these rails is off, it's uh, it's going to take into a, a, a totally different direction or maybe even just a, a tailspin. Or if one of these rails is off, uh, you could potentially get stuck. And when I heard you say that, I, I was thinking, you know, on the strategic side, uh, stri- strategic leaders are typically great planners. They're going to plan well. They're going to come up with a great plan. And I guess the challenge would be if you lean towards that, hold your plans loosely mm. because then something like COVID-19 happens mm-hmm. and uh, the Lord may be trying to get your attention to to redirect some things that you're planning to do, which all of a sudden will go to the wayside. You could, you could even say it like this, Lee, uh, strategy uh, in some ways helps you identify the destination, but spirit is the fuel that's in that's in the furnace you know oh that's great it's the coal that's good so without the spirit you're never going to get where you're planning to that's go good. so but but with the strategy here's the thing i heard andy stanley say years ago love him or hate him i know depending on who you ask but he, he this is so simple but it it still stuck with me and that is uh that uh your uh direction determines destination simple statement direction determines destination and uh, that has stuck with me because, and I illustrate like this all the time, if, if someone were to say, well, I'm going to Charlotte, they get on 85 South, it doesn't matter how many times. I mean, they, they could drive for three hours, saying the whole time on the phone to their wife, hey, I'm going to Charlotte, babe. You know, Truth is, they're not going to Charlotte they're, because direction determines their destination. And I'm afraid we have a whole lot of churches saying, I'm preaching the truth. I'm being faithful to Jesus. I'm, I'm going where I'm, I, we're, we're headed to the place where... They're just not going where they actually say they're going. Mm. We want to reach lost people, mm. but what are we doing to that's, actually reach lost that's people? That's great because, you know, it, a strategic person may need to hold his plans loosely. A spiritual person needs to sometimes make some plans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what so, Wayne Gretzky, the great philosopher Wayne Gretzky once said, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. That's right. So, yeah, if you don't plan to to, to succeed, you will not. <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean that that's great, you know. So sometimes when I I'll, I'll talk to leaders and just say, "Hey man, what's your plans?" Well, the plans are the same they were 50 years ago. We're going to meet on Sundays at at 10 o'clock and we're going to have Sunday school, and at 11 o'clock yeah. we're going to preach the word, and then we're going to pray to God that some lost person you know wanders in here. Right, right. Uh, and and it may be that we've got to shift the way we do some planning um, to do things. I think uh, the way Jesus did, and I think ultimately both of these tracks, if you ask the question. So how did Jesus do business? Um, you'll find that on the uh, on the spiritual side, um, he was constantly in tune with the Father. And so, you're hey, you're golden. You're on that spiritual side. However, he had a plan. You can mm-hmm. actually watch the way he did his plan. Now, I would have taken the plan. I mean, his plan was to take 12 renegades that, mm. uh, you know, a lot of them were probably under the age of 19 and um, take these guys and ask them to quit their job and tell them to come walking with him for three years. I sure. mean, like to me— I probably wouldn't have made that as a strategy, but, uh, you know, the Lord says, hey, this is the way I do business, and that's the way he did business. And then on the same breath, you know, if I'm strategic and uh, and I'm watching how Jesus does business of doing disciple-making in smaller community and, and spending a lot of time and a massive amount of time with a few people, um, but also having those segments of time where there's larger gatherings— um, I might ask, all right, well, well, where was the spiritual side of that? And mm-hmm. you can see Jesus getting er- early up in the morning, uh, spending time with the Father. And um, and so if you ask that question, how did Jesus do business? 
uh, I think uh, on both of those rails, it, it kind of hits a sweet spot. Yeah. And I think some somebody, uh, sometimes we try to, I, I'm, it's going to probably be unpopular with some folks, but we try to blame the providence of God for some things. And, mm-hmm. and I think we kind of try to skirt out of it. And and I think the when Jesus came and the way Jesus came totally speaks to what you're talking about with strategy, because the truth is Jesus did not he wasn't born in Honduras on on Flower Mountain to the Tulipan Indians, um, who have no uh, language that would go. Here he was actually born in a time when Rome had built the roads mm-hmm. to take the gospel to various places. He was born in a time where uh, gr- Greek was the prominent language spoken by the modern world of the time. And so he actually gave the gospel message in the language that would most effectively spread. And the roads were present to actually take that message to other countries. This is a strat. This is like a divine strategy mm-hmm. for the gospel mm-hmm. to be delivered. And so when, when f- people say, well, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to take the, I don't want to take the reins out of God's hands. I mean, mm-hmm. the truth is God's given us an opportunity to do mm-hmm. something. He's given us a mind to think and to strategize to most effectively present the gospel to the most people we can so that we can advance the gospel mm. mission. That's good, man. We're going to stop right there. I mean, we could talk all day long. Um, hey, if there's a church that's out there that would uh, love to kind of unpack some of this stuff with, with you, um, I'd love for them to be able to connect with you if you'd yeah. be willing to talk. Sure. Okay. Uh, I, let me, my email is wbray at fbsimpsonville.org. So just my first initial, last name, W. Bray, B-R-A-Y, at fbsimpsonville.org. I love it. Well, thanks for listening to another edition of Advanced Leadership Podcast with the South Carolina Baptist Convention. We look forward to being with you soon. Thanks for listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. This South Carolina Baptist Convention podcast is made possible through the cooperative program giving of South Carolina Baptist churches. For more information, visit scbaptist.org.